millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history behind it. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what I do every time is I take you on a journey. We could be talking about film, TV, video games, music. I cover them all here. Genuinely, all kinds of pop culture. I've even done stuff on food and nursery rhymes. So what are we doing this time around? I'm going to be talking about the classic villain out there. As soon as I say it, not only do you know what villain am I talking about, but you instantly know the whole genre and also the the other characters involved in this. You might even know a little bit of background about the character itself, which I will come on to. We're talking about Joker. Yeah. Yeah. See how it all starts popping into your head? Riddle me this. How many different versions of Joker have you seen? You might have seen the crazy 60s one, you know, the Batman 66, as it's now being known as a TV series. Joker, what are you doing here? Oh, just passing by. I heard my name and I couldn't resist shooting a jolly jet through the tiny perforation in that screen. Or maybe you saw Jack Nicholson in Batman 1989. Jack is dead, my friend. You can call me Joker. You've got the idea. Heath Ledger, yada, 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 Joaquin Phoenix. Interestingly, two of these roles have actually earned the recipients, the actors, Oscars for their performances. And the Oscar goes to Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Something that no superhero has ever won. And also nothing on the Marvel side has ever won it either. So what we're going to be talking about this time round is, yes, we're going to look at the Middle Ages. I'm going to talk a little bit about jesters, of course, but also I'm going to be talking about now what is a hundred years, sort of, of history of Joker. So come with me if all of this sounds fun. Yeah! Right, so, Batman. Why am I doing this now? Because there is a brand new movie out about Batman, and full disclosure, we know, look, no spoilers for the movie, but even in the trailers, we know that the two main villains on this occasion are Riddler and Penguin. No Joker this time round. Interestingly, when it came to Christopher Nolan's trilogy about Batman, first one was about Scarecrow, and, well, mainly Scarecrow, let's let's not go into details there, but right at the end, there's this guy doing bank jobs, he left his calling card. Take this guy. Armed robbery, double homicide. Got it. 
taste for the theatrical, like you, leaves a calling card. And it's a playing card of the Joker. And instantly everybody got super excited about Batman 2, which turned out to be called Batman Returns. Oh, sorry, sorry, The Dark Knight. Wow, am I mixing up my Batmans? And, and that's an important conversation to be had. Because right now, in the 21st century, it looks like Marvel has conquered all. And if we're talking about box office receipts, there's really no argument there. But it is, as always, more complicated than that. And one of the things, the thing I'm going to start with, is even the most ardent Marvel fan will happily admit, maybe not happily, you get the idea, will begrudgingly admit that DC's got the villains. When I say Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man, so on and so forth. Yes, they've got their villains, but Ironmonger, is he really something that's crept into the consciousness of the world? I'm going to say probably not. In terms of Spider-Man, the Green Goblin's perhaps the best well-known. And really, this is why things like Civil War or lots of stories about kind of brainwashing means that you can pit these superheroes against each other. Because, to be blunt, if we're going to pick Doc Ock, is he as well-known, as well-beloved as somebody like the Penguin? Now, actually, probably Doc Ock's got better abilities, but the Penguin is simply better known. Batman has the best rogues gallery of people he has to fight than anybody else. Interestingly, some of his rogues gallery work better against other DC heroes. An example, a classic example of that is the Riddler. Now, there's nothing... I guess necessarily wrong about the Riddler. And interestingly, there was the Joker, first of all. Then there was the Riddler. And if you think about it, well, those two are sort of similar. And there was also a prankster. And they just ditched him because it's like, well, if we've already got a Joker and Riddler, do we do we really need a prankster as well? Now, the Riddler still crosses swords from time to time with Batman. And indeed, he has appeared multiple times in movies, including up to the new one. But he's actually become a more interesting and effective nemesis of The Flash. Because The Flash is so fast, he can kind of fix any problem super quickly. But with the Riddler, he can kind of trick, outsmart, can you really be in two places at once? I mean, the thing with all these DC superheroes is they become so powerful. Batman's obviously the exception, he's still a human. But even so, he's constructed exosuits, which are basically Iron Man levels of technology. That's a thing. But something like The Flash... He can travel faster than the speed of light, which means he can travel back in time and therefore he can fix absolutely anything at all times. The DC superheroes tend to be more powerful than the Marvel superheroes, obviously starting off with the granddaddy of them all, Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive to leap tall buildings at a single bound who when you watch interesting videos about like who's going to win in a battle between blah 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 one that keeps cropping up look quick shout out i've been watching death battle on screw attack on youtube for probably the 10 years it's been running and they did two separate episodes about superman versus goku now if you don't know who goku is he's kind of the the chief hero of dragon ball z this is anime and if you know anything about anime it's planet-exploding levels of epicness. People stand there screaming and getting brighter and brighter and flashier and flashier as they then erupt a, a ball of energy that could rip up a continent, and Goku can't beat Superman. And the way they work in Death Battle is it's super geek time. They'll see just specific panels in a comic book and compare size and work out how big an explosion would that be or how fast, you know, they make reference to talking to each other and then appearing on other places in the universe, giving you an idea of their 
max speed. If that sounds super geeky, don't go there. If you're sitting there going, oh, that sounds fun. They always pick people not in the same universe or lore. One of my favorites and one of the classics, one of the earliest ones is who would win? Harry Potter or Luke Skywalker? Again, instantly you go, okay, I, I get their power bases there, but I'm like, who, who would win in that kind of fight? So yeah, really interesting. So there's all these great villains that Batman has to fight. Riddler could be Joker, Catwoman, sort of anti-hero type thing, Poison Ivy. The animal plant toxins had a rather unique effect on me. Scarecrow, Dr. Freeze, the list goes on and on. And if you're turning around and say, well, come on, Thanos. Well, Thanos was a bit of a Marvel ripoff of an existing DC mega god, evil mega god called Darkseid who appeared briefly in the extended cut of the Justice League being done by Zack Snyder. So the first superhero that actually got out there, secret layers, secret identity, some special abilities, still exists today, a guy called the Phantom, who could talk to animals and had a secret layer and all this kind of good stuff. But the Phantom came out first, beat Superman by a couple of years in the, in the 1930s. But then we get Superman, who is kind of the blueprint of what superheroes are moving forwards. And then in 1939, again, just a couple of years later, we get Detective Comics 27 featuring the Batman. And it's really interesting. If you look at some of the very, very early Batman comics from the 30s and early 40s, he's very different. For example, what's his alternate identity? You'll say Bruce Wayne. And you'd be right. And then, then say, OK, so, you know, what does Bruce Wayne do? And you'll probably say he's a millionaire or billionaire, a playboy kind of thing. No. Absolutely not. And also, what's Batman's number one rule, which is I'm not going to kill. I'm going to use non-lethal force to bring these people in. Now, that's absolutely a thing nowadays. But if you look at the original ones, Bruce Wayne was a cop by day, Batman by night. So literal vigilante. I can't deal with them as a police officer. So I'm now going to deal with them as the Batman and the Batmobile. I'm not making this up. If you look at the original comics, it's like got a sunroof. And when it's down, it's just Bruce's car. And then when he puts it up, it's now miraculously the Batmobile. That really wouldn't fool anybody. Robin isn't there at the beginning. Alfred isn't there at the beginning. Indeed, Alfred is introduced as this rather chubby, not skinny butler from Britain who is being chased by these gangsters. And it turns out he has a map to the crown jewels inside his suitcase, which is what's happening in it. So he has got nothing to do with being the man who brought up Bruce Wayne after his parents were killed. And indeed, in some of the very, very early ones, Bruce is seen as Batman with a pistol on his hip. And he has used it in the very first one, Detective 27. He kills somebody. So it, it's surprisingly dark, but that's kind of like the evolution. But then in 1940, we get the actual dedicated Batman comic book. And in issue number one, 1940, he does battle with this character called the Joker. So. We're now into Joker territory. And what's interesting is a lot of people, and indeed many decades later, they specifically did a Joker story, which links it back to this. A lot of people think that actually the idea for the Joker is this black and white movie from 1929. So from 10 years earlier called The Man Who Laughed. And The Man Who Laughed is a very sad story. It's a bit like The Phantom of the Opera, where this man is horribly tortured by these individuals and basically has his lips removed and sort of has facial scarring, which kind of forces him to always have this rictus grin. And again, if you're seeing the game, this is really dark stuff, Jim. Are you, sh are you sure people were producing this stuff in the 1920s? And I would say, yes, 
Absolutely. What's interesting is it wasn't until the 1930s that there was a realization that they were going to have to start putting restrictions on movies. And it wasn't until the 1960s that they were. So basically from the 1930s to the 1960s, everybody could go and see the same films. There was just not going to be a level of violence or adult content or adult language that was going to separate an adult movie from a kid's movie. Now, clearly some of them were aimed more at children, but if you like, there was a ceiling in terms of action, violence, adult content that nobody dared bump up against or push against. But there, some of the earlier stuff is actually edgier because there were no restrictions and regulations. And so, yes, so, so this sort of really dark stuff does appear early on. It is worth remembering, I promised you about a hundred years of history on this stuff. And although I'm talking about a film, which doesn't necessarily sound like it came out, I mean, it came out a long time ago, but it doesn't sound like it came out a century ago. But at the time of recording, it's 2022. And I'm talking about a movie that came out in 1929. So there's only 93 years separating those two. So basically a century. The Man Who Laughed is this sort of very dark, twisted story. And basically the man who laughs, the man who has been cut up like this. It's a revenge thriller. He wants to he wants to fall in love with this girl. He kind of covers up the lower half of his face with a, with a mask or, or like scarf. This surely sounds a fair bit like Phantom of the Opera. And that's that's the basic idea. So he's out on this revenge mission. So his character is nothing like the Joker. But visually, and I encourage you to do a Google image search or something for the man who laughs 1929, and you'll instantly go, yeah, it's a Joker. But apparently, you know, Bob Kane and co were not influenced by any of this stuff. I mean, this is the thing. The comic books in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and indeed early 60s were the Wild West. There was one infamous comic going, this is comic books. It's not high art. Nowadays, it's the biggest industry, you know, box office business that you can get out there. But that is the origin of the Joker. And if you like, the really timeless, beautiful, terrifying thing about the Joker is there are multiple different background stories to him. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There have been several attempts to sort of say this is where he comes from. Perhaps most famously in the 1980s, you've got the killing joke. But you've also got earlier ones where there was this man in this red mask who turns out twist that it was the Joker. That was that precedes it by decades. And of course, again, if we go back to The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger, he famously has two speeches about, do you want to know how I got these scars? Each one of those stories is completely different. You want to know how I got these scars? So you can tell he's just making it up as he goes along. Who is this man? Don't know. And then, of course, yes, we then famously get in 2019 the movie Joker, which again gives us an origin story for Joker, but... It's not canon. They did specifically say, we want to do a character story study of this person, but we're not saying that this is the real Joker. I mean, let's face it, Batman's had like multiple faces. Joker's had multiple faces. Why would this be the definitive explanation about Joker? Indeed, going back to The Killing Joke, which has been both an amazing, not it's too thin to be a graphic novel, but like a sort of prestige print. It never came out in just a comic book. It came out in sort of like a sort of a spined small novella, if you like, written by Alan Moy, who's just a genius at this stuff, and inked by Brian Bolland, who both of those British 
And it's interesting, you know, we've had multiple British Batmans. We've had multiple British Spider-Mans. It's interesting how many Brits get in on this sort of, there is nothing more American than a superhero. If you start thinking about, well, what are famous British superheroes? When Eric eats the banana, an amazing transformation occurs. Eric is Banana Man, ever alert for the call to action. Go on then, off you go. If you say Captain Britain, well done, but that was created by Marvel Comics in America. They just wanted to create somebody for Britain. So if you really want that one, you know, we, we're not very good. Perhaps the most famous comic book character that could be considered a superhero or anti-hero in Britain is Judge Dredd. He's based in America. And one of the points about Judge Dredd, and I've done an episode on him, you feel free to listen to that, is you're not meant to like him. You know, he's not like the Superman who is just there to be admired all the time. So this is the origins of the Joker. And what's interesting is as we go along, as I mentioned, sort of censorship came in, not just for movies, but also specifically for comic books as well. They're worried about corrupting. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Every time there is like a new medium that kids pick up, there's a worry that it's going to corrupt and rot their brains. In the 1940s, it was comic books. Then in the 1950s, it was TV. Then in the late 70s, early 80s, well, we got rock and roll music as well. Rock and roll has got to go. Then you've got videotapes. Then you've got video games. Now you've got the internet. Now I would say probably the internet's the most insidious out of all of those because simply there is no censorship going on there. You can very easily click on stuff and get into just horrific images of whatever. When my children were in infant school, I went there and I sort of I did, I ran a quiz. So I had to sort of switch on a computer and sort of like load up my stuff. It was very hard to get my, just my slide deck, innocent slide deck for a, for a quiz night on there because they had so much security, quite right too. But then there was this little undulating dolphin animation in the corner. And I said, um, I don't know how to get rid of the dolphin. They went, oh, no, we love the dolphin. Well, why? I went, well, if the children are on the Internet and they see something that upsets them, they click on the dolphin immediately sort of like takes them away from that Web page. That's where we are in terms of protecting children on the Internet. But admittedly, all these other scares are sort of like kind of quaint now by by modern standards. And so comic books is part of it. And therefore, the Joker was really dangerous in the 1940s. This is kind of before the sort of jurisdictions really stuck. He killed people. Batman killed people. But then we get into the 50s and it's far more about sort of themed bank robberies, which is where we're at when we get the famous 1966 Adam West Batman TV series. And it's all about let's do a gimmicky kind of bank job and I will leave a calling card or a a clown mask or something. And it's just so far removed from reality. No bank robber would ever be that elaborate. Hand me down the shark repellent bat spray. And then we get into the 1980s, which is where we have to talk about 1986's The Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller's masterpiece, which talks about an old Batman who has retired because in the past, the Joker has killed Robin. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. After that, he's decided to hang up his cowl and just... First thing you see him do is like racing cars to like to the brink of them setting on fire. He's sort of still full of these demons, but he's no longer Batman. And for various reasons, he ends up coming out of retirement. It is, look, it came out round about the same time as Watchmen. Both of those are DC, and they really showed how infantile by comparison Marvel was at that given point and how far ahead DC was. And so, yeah, I, you know, it's an example where DC clearly wins in terms of sort of like maturity and interesting spins on characters. That's not to say that Marvel hasn't done sort of similar things afterwards, but DC undeniably got there first. But the thing about Dark Knight Returns is it suddenly showed Gotham City as this sort of decaying, gargoyle-infested, gothic nightmare, which you're sitting there going, well, isn't that always being Gotham City? Absolutely not. Go back to the comics of the 60s and you'll see it's bright and sunny and wide city lanes and things like that. There's nothing sinister about it. So that's how important the Dark Knight Returns was because it just creates this grit. And that grit you can trace all the way to the the brand new Batman movie. I've heard a few people say when the trailer came out saying that looks really good. That also looks an awful lot like the Christopher Nolan trilogy. That's like fair enough, but it is worth remembering again now how time has sadly passed. We're 10 years away from the Nolan trilogy. There's no reason why we can't have some more. Whereas in the space of seven years, you'd had multiple Spider-Mans, Spider-Men, Spider-Mans, I'm not sure. And we had the origin story told twice about him getting bitten by this radioactive spider. So by comparison, this has been quite a long time since we've had sort of like a reshuffle and going back to these sort of more glossy gritty, because the thing in the meantime, again, with the Zack Snyder DCEU is it's all being perhaps, I mean, I know it's being dark and gritty, but it's being dark and gritty to create a sort of team of superheroes rather than just Batman working on his own. And it is interesting how Robin has been there for decades. Indeed, there's been multiple Robins over the time. What happens in Dark Knight Returns is this young girl is actually interested in joining Batman, who is very resistant of doing it, knowing full well what happened to the last one. And so Robin just doesn't really fit into our consciousness like it, like he used to. We like this dark, brooding character. Again, 
up until the 1980s, Batman, Superman, two huge figures of comic book superhero-ness, and Superman was clearly the favourite for most of that period. But we like things a bit edgier now, and Superman just comes across more as like a Boy Scout. But nowadays, we've sort of like created and recreated all this stuff, so we now have this beautiful yin-yang. The Joker is anarchy. Batman is trying to install order. The Joker will kill just for the sake of things. Batman will try and save lives, e even the lives of his enemies, at all costs. There's a number of AI programs out there who have been... There's no such thing as true AI. There isn't like a program that can tell the weather, have a conversation with you, read a newspaper, and also be able to spit out a, a script for a movie. You know, the AIs we've got at the moment are basically good at doing one thing and one thing only, and they don't talk to each other and can't because they're different scripts and different systems. But an example is there's, there's a number of AIs that can basically consume lots and lots of stories and then spit out their own, in inverted commas, original story. I do ask you to look out there. So there is an AI Batman script. It's just one page. There's an animatic of it. It's all of like a minute and a half long. And the computer kind of gets it. It gets the point that the, the Joker is nasty, but sort of like tells jokes which are really tasteless. So the opening line for the AI one is Batman's at his computer in the Batcave and it goes, he is sometimes Bruce Wayne, sometimes Batman, always an orphan. <laughs> really tasteless. And then right at the very end of this sort of action sequence, the Joker gives Batman a coupon for two new parents. But the coupon has expired. And that's actually quite clever of the computer to work out, because that's exactly the sort of thing that the Joker would do. Joker is a clown, but insane. Two-Face is a man, but a turning. And indeed, in The Dark Knight, the Heath Ledger movie, when he sort of does these sort of almost Riddler-type puzzles, but there's also there's a kind of joke sting to the tail, the one that everybody remembers is the two ferries full of passengers, one full of prisoners and the other one's full of civilians, and they've got the detonators for each other's ferry. And that's the kind of anarchy that's beautiful there, which, of course, Batman wants to stop at, at all costs. So the Joker, the thing that people love about him is there should never be kind of Book of Boba Fett about Joker's early years. We, he sort of comes in as this symbol of complete anarchy, Yes, they got away with it with the Wacom Phoenix Joker movie because everyone's quite clear this is not canon. We are not now saying this is exactly who the Joker is. This is an interpretation of how a man can be twisted into that, which is very interesting. I mean, it's, it's a great film. What's interesting is because they knew it would be pretty dark. It's very much like Taxi Driver. So I'll give 10 out of 10 for a movie that's sort of like riffing on Taxi Driver rather than, than you know, again, all the Marvel movies. It made almost the same amount of money as Rise of Skywalker. They were both 2019. So yes, they both came out roughly the same time and they made basically the same amount of money, except Rise of Skywalker cost 200 to $250 million to make. Joker cost 40. So it made Warner Brothers a lot of money. Anyway, Joker still is a hot property to this day. People still want to play him. People still want to see him in movies. And he is just a regular occurrence in the comic books. But his DNA goes back in terms of media to 1929. And I, I just want to briefly talk about how after The Dark Knight Returns, that 1986 comic book, how it changed everything. Like I said, you've seen it in the movies, but it all starts 
with the 1989 Batman film. Now, at the time, it's just called, it is just called Batman, but they call it Batman 89 because the new one's called The Batman, and, you know, Batman appears in so many different titles, so for convenience sake, that's the first Michael Keaton one. That's the one with Jack Nicholson playing Joker. <gasps> oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> and it is worth remembering that pretty much the only big superhero movie that had come out before that was Superman, which came out in 1978, and then into the 80s there are a number of different sequels of varying quality. But, you know, Superman was a hot property for five, six years, and you know, at least in the cinemas, and therefore there was an appetite for other comic book movies. But why isn't there an Iron Man movie from the 1980s? Because some of these characters were kind of expensive to create, and there was a limit to what you could do, but with Batman, he's a man in a batsuit, so in that respect, you don't need that many special effects. But here's the thing, it's comic books for kids, man, and you know, this Tim Burton guy, he's directed Beetlejuice, I suppose, you know, is, is there much that we can talk about him in terms of sort of quality showmanship? Now, I'm playing Devil's Advocate, I love Tim Burton, and similarly, Michael Keaton, he was sort of really, perhaps, you know, best known for some comedy roles before Batman, and there was a huge outcry from people going, really, this is your, going to be your first stab at a Batman movie and you're going to pick Michael Keaton? There were people saying, because they're inspired by The Dark Knight Returns, why don't you get Clint Eastwood, have an older Batman? And at the time, 1989, that probably would have worked. The last Dirty Harry movie came out about six months before Batman 1989 called Deadpool. That movie did pretty well at the box office because... It was the first movie to have the trailer for the Batman film. So apparently people were buying tickets to go and see that film and then leaving before the film even started because they wanted to see what this new Batman film was potentially like. But so, yes, you've got Jack Nicholson, multi Oscar winning actor, very well regarded. He's going to play Joker and they were going to have to do a lot to get him to be in this movie. So for starters, he actually headlines the, the poster more than Michael Keaton does. And also he was paid a lot of money to do it and kind of allowed to sort of do it any way he wanted to. And and this started, this is the thing, Batman 1989 is the blueprint for all these other movies. Think about how many movies where the hero, Batman, Iron Man, whoever, is quite often subservient in terms of these villains have been created and they're quite scene steely and the, the hero sort of like deals with them, if you like. So this all kind of starts with Jack Nicholson, but most importantly, Jack Nicholson created one of the cleverest deals in Hollywood history. You may not know this, but you need to be aware of this and you will have a newfound respect for Jack Nicholson's at least business acumen because he said, I'm going to make do money for this and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, I'm going to die at the end of the film. Spoiler for a film that's been out for a long time, more than 30 years. But he said, if I'm going to start this franchise, I want to be rewarded for it. So anytime Warner Brothers creates a Batman movie, Regardless of who's in it, I get paid a million dollars. And that deal is still in place. He was in Batman 1989, which came out, again, more than 30 years ago, and he got paid a million dollars. You know, it's just part of the production fees, I guess, for the Batman that comes out in 2022. How crazy is that? Lego Batman? Dark Knight? Yeah, absolutely. Batman Forever? Batman and Robin? Gets the paycheck every time. How great is that for a form of a pension, eh? 
So you get Batman 89, then it Batman Returns, literally that's the name of it, in 1992. But really, it's only Batman movies in the 1990s until we get into the very end of the 1990s where you've got Blade. We have a good arrangement. He makes the weapons. I use them. You know, first big Marvel movie hit 1998 and then X-Men in the year 2000. And they are still, you can see that they're still kind of beholden to the Batman formula from a decade earlier. And it isn't really until we get to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man in 2002 that we get to what I'm going to call the modern superhero era. Yes, there were earlier superhero movies than Batman 1989. But look, at the same time, please, I encourage you, have a look of, I think it came out in 1990, but have a look at the original Captain America. You know, while they're making things like the Michael Keaton Batman movie, Marvel, meanwhile, were coming up with these abysmal, cheap, slocky, nasty knockoff films, which pleased nobody and basically made no money. But that was okay because they cost almost nothing to make. They were rubbish. Just briefly, it's also worth mentioning the other kind of clown factor in all of this, Harley Quinn, who, played by Margot Robbie, has been in three movies in about five, six years. Things like the Suicide Squad films and also the Birds of Prey movie. And interestingly, this is an example of a cartoon character that wasn't created in the comic books. She was actually created in the anim Batman animated series, which came out in the early 90s, which was heavily inspired, again, by Batman 1989, and that's and its aesthetic of kind of like 1940s fusion with kind of gothic architecture and stuff. And so, yes, yeah, so she was actually created in the animated series and then got pulled into the comics and video games and what have you, and is one of the most popular characters, again, sort of like anti-hero-ish type characters in DC. And so, yeah, so, so, so well done to Harley Quinn. But of course, She's had quite an abusive relationship with Joker, which over the years has played worse and worse. And now in the films, it's pretty clear that she is very much on her own, her own force of nature, not beholden or subservient to Joker. But Joker, of course, has all this iconography like Harley Quinn, like Harlequins are literally sort of clown like characters from Italy. And you've got the classic court jester as well. And court jesters are, are really interesting. I remember I, I mentioned in the comedy episode about Roland the Fatter, who basically for Henry II had to fart, hop and whistle all at the same time every Christmas. And he had his own little estate for that. Well done him. But there were multiple comedians and jesters who were in court, you know, really irritable people like, for example, Henry VIII, you'd think, oh, I wouldn't dare tell anything mocking to somebody with that level of temper. But actually, no, he, he loved his court jesters. And generally, everybody kind of had this fool in their court, not just in Britain, but, you know, France, Germany, wherever, at least in Europe. And the idea is it's kind of like the, the you know, I'm going to use a slightly insensitive term here, but the idiot savant. And the idea is that this person could get away with telling hard truths because they were the lowest of the low anyway. So, you know, you could always kick them. But they were seen quite often as really useful advisors. Better a witty fool than a foolish wit. I, I, I just find this insane. So, right, okay. So I'm going to come in with a whoopee cushion and I've got bells on my hat. And I'm going to tell the king that we just lost a battle against the French. 
And it was kind of his fault for not sending enough archers. You know, that that sort of conversation, we don't know for a fact, but must have happened. There was even a famous female fool called Jane Fool, a jester, who worked under multiple Tudor monarchs. And you would have thought, well, you know, dancing in between somebody like Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth, two people who really did not get on, Jem said, underdoing that one. The fact that she was able to transition from one court to another court, Plus also was a fool for some of Henry's wives as well. You know, well done her for navigating a political landscape which so many of her peers failed to navigate. These people were actually, you know, as always, in this, in this sort of situation, comedy is smart. Even dumb comedy is very, very smart. You get something like Tropic Thunder, which is loud and crass and has got lots of fart jokes in it. But at the same time, it's got some very clever assessments of how actors get overly serious about war movies and also comments about Hollywood producers. In that particular movie, you've got Tom Cruise playing this utterly loathsome media mogul type Hollywood producer. But apparently both Tom Cruise and Ben Stiller, who stars and is the director of that movie, the two of them based this Tom Cruise repellent character on a real person. So it may look like a complete caricature to you and me, but to them it's like, you know, we're actually thumbing our nose at somebody specific. So yeah, even something as sort of loud and awful like that is holding up a mirror to the Hollywood machine and showing its imperfections. And that came out the same year as the first Iron Man movie, just for the record. And something like Anchorman as well. Yes, of course, these are sort of like grown men acting like man babies and it's ludicrous. But of course, you you have to have that spontaneity to come up with all these lines off the top of your head. It's it's you know, it's 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 a very fine skill to do this improvised comedy and also make it work against a basic structure of a movie, too. So I have huge respect for comedians in this area. And sort of like going back to it, this this can all absolutely start with some of these jesters in these courts, courts where literally people were losing their heads. You know, if you talk about, you know, a comedian doesn't it doesn't go well for a comedian on stage. The term is dying on stage. Well, these people could genuinely have been, bare minimum, become destitute, you know, kicked out, never to be seen again. What am I going to do now for a living? I guess I have to go back to being a peasant. Or, you know, might be incarcerated for a while till the king calms down. Or, worst case scenario, maybe even executed. So, you were really putting your life on your line every time you were doing one of these routines. And this kind of macabre with the political, with also the attempts to actually be funny. Sometimes these jokes were clearly, you know, about real life in the environment is the sort of thing that Joker does talk about. It's, I mean, again, let's not overdo it. In the 1940s, he's just a comic book character. People weren't reading up on the history of the Tudors, but clearly in the back of people's mind, it's it, there, there was this idea that, as the saying goes, comedy is a serious business. Or my favourite one is comedy is the only thing that you can do badly that people won't laugh at. So I, I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I won't quite leave you with that thought. It's a good punchline, but I'm just going to say, as always, guys, if you could spread the word. We are seeing, what I'm really proud of is every single month, month on month, we're getting little increases. But it's, you know, we're still way behind what we can, what we could do, what we could do getting this message out there. So I'm on Twitter at Gem Daducci. You can always ask questions. I've had people like Ross sort of saying, oh, listen to the dark episode. And that really inspired me. I'm going to watch it now. 
haven't heard back from him yet if he liked it. Hi, Ross, by the way. Yeah, so I get people sort of like giving me ideas or telling me that they like it, which is great. Please, if you see me sort of tweeting out information about the podcast on Twitter, if you could retweet it, that'd be great. If you can give us a review on whatever podcast format, all this stuff helps us get noticed and helps spread the news. I think this is a pretty entertaining podcast. So yeah, if, let's get it out there, shall we? But let's go go back to talking about the Joker. But there is, of course, a future for Joker because now we've had an Oscar winning actor playing him in 1989 with Jack Nicholson. And we've now had two Jokers, two different Jokers winning Best Supporting Actor for Heath Ledger and Best Actor for Joaquin Phoenix. So this has now become a plum role. Who knows? I mean, it'd be ridiculous. It would, Daniel Day-Lewis would never do the Joker. But this is the thing. It's one of these things where an, a young up-and-coming star probably wouldn't be given Joker. They are more likely to be given some, something like Batman. Instead, we're going to have you know, Joker as seen as like, well, you know, you're no Laurence Olivier, but I guess we'll give you a shot at the Joker role. It's clearly going to be quite plumb. But if you look at the comics, he continues to cause absolute anarchy. There, and there's literally been, as I said, about 10 years ago, I'm saying, there was actually a sort of Joker series called The Man Who Laughs and sort of like riffed on the same sort of even image of, of the person from the 1929 movie. And there's even been The Batman Who Laughs, where basically in an alternate universe, the Joker kind of brainwashes Batman with sort of like laughing poison. And so Batman basically becomes Joker and kills the whole of the Justice League. I'm not making this up. This is something that's happened in the comic books. Comic books get confusing because there's like the main reality and then people sort of like do counterfactual realities. And it's in one of those that he goes crazy and becomes Batman Joker, basically, or the Batman who laughs. It's very dark, very, very dark. And yes, and so some of the Joker comic books would be considered rated 15 or 18 in terms of sort of the, the graphic torture that he might do to people or to himself in one of them to prove to Batman that he's the real deal. He literally cuts his own face off and continues to laugh afterwards. Sounds pretty disgusting. So yeah, there is plenty of scope moving on into the future for Joker. And because he is an enigma, you know, you can, you can put, you can put his sort of basic personality tropes and styles and refashion it into so many different ways, a bit like Batman as well, that the future is bright for the clown prince of chaos or crime or whatever you want to call him on this occasion. Thanks very much for listening. And as always, there'll be another podcast episode coming out soon. Yeah. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.